Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you all here. Um, I was thinking about sort of praying about what to talk about this morning. It's not normal that you sort of like get to preach on whatever you want to preach on. It's usually part of a series or whatever. So I was sort of praying about a subject for today and, you know, something that's appropriate for our context. Context being, you know, obviously we're sending out uh, some people into a church plant this morning, which is a celebration of this great thing that God has been doing and uh, is coming into fruition now. And so it's a great celebration, but it also represents change. It represents change. And with change come challenges and various emotions. And uh, it's kind of similar, I think, to sort of the larger context that we, we find ourselves in, where we're facing so many changes right now, right, that it's just kind of hard to, hard to keep up. With the pandemic in particular, you know, there's all these trends that were sort of happening in society that through the, the pandemic just got accelerated uh, related to work, related to, to commerce. And some of those things are good. Some of them are, are bad. But there's so many of them that it's just sort of disorienting and, and challenging, isn't it? And then you pile on top of that, you know, the political and, and social unrest that we've been going through and all the heavy questions and emotions that come with that. And then even within the church, it, not our church uh, alone, but all churches, there's just so much challenge and change right now. And you end up in sort of this place of the, what you might call a fatigue of unpredictability, you know, like what, what's going to happen next? And so I want to pick a, a, a scripture this morning that's kind of where they're in a similar context and it, it's speaking to that type of context. And this passage was in the book of James, chapter 1, written by James, who on top of being, uh, going through the struggles of being Jesus' brother, <laughs> and, uh, you know, watching your brother executed by the state and all those other challenges and trauma that, that come along with being related to the Son of God, he carried the weight of being the, the leader of the, the first church in Jerusalem which was going through all kinds of political and cultural shifts at the time. And they were dealing with, with poverty significantly within their, their church, their people, and then persecution from their own people and from, from others. And then from that persecution, they're being scattered into the surrounding nations and then facing a whole pile of other challenges related to the ones they already had now that they're strangers in a strange land. And this is who James is writing to when he writes his book. And he's speaking out of a, a hard-won wisdom. And this is what he writes in James 1, 2 through 4. My brothers and sisters, consider it nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect effect so that you will be perfect and complete, not deficient in anything. And so, uh, we've got to keep it, keep it brief this morning, so we have lots of time at the end. So we're going to keep it simple this morning. Let's look at this passage and kind of go through it phrase by phrase. What is James saying? And almost as importantly, what is he not saying? And then what does it, it mean for us in these various contexts that we're talking about this morning? So James starts out by saying, when you fall into all sorts of trials, 
when you fall into all sorts of trials, when, you know, it's going to happen, if it hasn't happened to you yet, it will, when it happens, and we all face trials and difficulties in life, and it says when you fall into, other translations will say face, fall into, I think is, is appropriate because what he's saying here, it's these, these things that just come on us unexpectedly that we don't, we don't see coming, which is kind of how we feel right now, isn't it? We just don't see coming all these various changes that are happening so fast. So when you fall into all sorts of trials... And a lot of ink has been spilt over whether or not James is referring to a specific type of thing like persecution when he says trials. But long story short, I think the best understanding here is that he's talking about all sorts of trials, that it's broadly applicable to all sorts of challenges that we face in life, like his audience is facing and like we're facing. He says, so when you fall into all sorts of trials, all these trials and challenges, And he says, consider it nothing but joy. Consider it nothing but joy. And this is where this this passage, I think, you know, we're pretty familiar with it. And it's kind of annoyed me over the years, you know, because, you know, it seems a bit platitudish, doesn't it? Like James is, you know, a monk up on the mountaintop, sort of detached from the reality of what's going on in life. You know, consider it all joy, brothers. But obviously, as we've talked about with James' life and his context, that's not the case. He's in the thick of the mud and the mire of life when he says this. And it's important to notice that what he's not saying is the trial is all joy. He's not saying the trial is all joy. He's asking us to consider, ask, consider, have a mental shift that this could be and is a good thing in your life. Consider it all joy. It's an important distinction because he's not asking us to deny what's going on and sort of bottle up the pain that's coming with all of the challenges and trials of life. He's not saying, your life's a nightmare. You should feel happy. (laughs) That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, look at these trials of being capable about bringing the highest good in your life. Make that mental shift. The emotions will follow with experience and time. But he's saying make that mental shift and consider when you fall into all kinds of trials that this is good for you. This is joy. Why? Why is this joy? First, he says, because you know that the testing of your faith, because you know that the testing, the, sorry, you know that the testing of your faith, which Meaning, trials and challenges are going to test our faith. Our faith. Our complete trust and confidence in God. Our complete trust and confidence in God will be tested. It will be tested. Not whether you have faith at all, like you have faith or you don't have faith. Faith is assumed. In this passage, you have faith, but it's going to be tested and exposed for what its weaknesses are. The weaknesses in your faith will be exposed through the trials and the challenges of life. He uses this word, dokimian, which you may have heard before uh, or be familiar with. What he's referring to here, it's a metallurgist term referring to the removing of impurities in metal. The removal of impurities in metal. So trials have this way of purifying our faith from things that don't belong. 
purifying our faith from things that don't belong. They can help separate what we've mixed in with complete confidence in God and God alone. So before you go through trials in life, your faith might be a mixture of faith plus some relationship. It might be faith plus intellect. It might be faith plus wealth. It might be faith plus good health. It might be faith plus good reputation. And trials will root out all of these additions to your soul, complete confidence in God. These false hopes that we have, that we think are going to deliver us, keep us safe in life, or even become idols. They will be rooted out and leave us with a purer faith. And this is good. This is a joy. Because, because if you think trials are bad, you think trials are bad, wait till that thing that you think is going to deliver you in life is taken from you. Because you have no control over those things. And when they're taken from you, we're crushed. And trials, it's a joy because it purifies those things so that we're left with nothing but confidence and trust in God and God alone. So this purification or testing of our faith when we face or fall into all these sudden trials and challenges that come upon us, we can consider it joy because it's purging us from those things that we've added to our faith, and it's producing something. What is it producing? It's producing endurance. He says it produces endurance. And there's lots of different, different translations. If you read all the different, it's funny, there's a lot of different words that this gets translated. One of them is sort of this general idea of patience, which is correct, but probably not the best term to use. Because there's a number of different words that get translated as, as patience, and we're talking about a specific, he's talking about a, a specific thing here. He's saying hypomenon. Hypomenon, which is different from another word that were more macrothemia, which you see in Galatians, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, macrothemia. He's talking about hypomenon. Hypomenon, which is different. Macrothemia is this patience related to persons or love. It's related to sort of long-suffering to trials with people that are a struggle in your life, whereas hypomenon is patience related to these circumstances that come upon us and to hope, to hope. And so the opposites are macrothemia. The, the opposite of that is wrath and revenge, lashing out at people. The opposite of hypomenon is despondency and despair. And so what is being produced, James says, is this steadfast trust and confidence in God, this hope, this unshakable, grounded hope. People sometimes describe these seasons in life like being in a tornado where everything's just getting thrown around and upended. And hypomenon is like this solid thing dug deep into the ground that we hang on to. This solid hope and trust in the midst of storms. It's a patient endurance. And it's another expression of the 
Like macrothemia, it's just another expression of the fruit of, of the Spirit in our lives, this patience, which we have to remember is the goal. The production of the fruit of God's Spirit in our life is the goal, and we often get taken off of that goal. We make the, the mistake of putting our value and our, our focus on other things. We tend to, oftentimes, you know, in church and in our lives, you know, we elevate people that are gifted. You know, they're gifted. But that's not necessarily maturity. The fruit of the Spirit is maturity. And when the storms come, some of those people and things that we value so much will crumble. And we're devastated. Mentors and partners and pastors are exposed for simply being gifted, but not being grounded. So we are being strengthened and matured into something that is honorable and enduring, that is significant, truly significant in God. That's what's being produced in our life, James says, through these trials. And so he says, then let endurance have its perfect effect. Let endurance have its perfect effect. Winston Churchill famously once said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Others, American politicians, have have said it famously as well. But Winston Churchill said it first, never let a good crisis go to waste. And oftentimes we do. We waste the trials and temptations in our life because we're so busy focusing on where did this come from? Who caused this? Is this God? Is this the devil? Was this sin in somebody's life that caused this thing to come upon us? And we get so focused on that or how do I make it stop? How do I get out of this? And it's fine. Those, those have their place. But we can't miss the process. James says, let endurance have its perfect effect. Don't miss the process. Ask God, what are you teaching me? What are you teaching me through this trial? Why am I so upset? Why am I so angry? Why am I so shaken? Why is my confidence? Why am I having a crisis of faith? Because of this trial in my life. What is God exposing? What is being purified out of our lives? And we can't miss that process. We have to let it have its effect in the midst of the trials. Because, James says, so that you will be perfect and complete, not deficient in anything. Not deficient in anything. To reach this goal the true goal, which is to arrive at maturity and Christ-likeness. This is success in God's kingdom. To arrive at Christ-likeness, there is only one way, which is through refining trials of life. And notice, it's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, but notice James is not saying the end of the process is necessarily relief from your circumstances. Not necessarily relief from the circumstances. The end of the process is maturity and enduring faith. And enduring faith. The outcome of our circumstances are not guaranteed. Making us complete and lacking in nothing is. Your trial may end in bankruptcy. Your trial may end up in an undeserved loss of good reputation. Your trial may end in the death of a loved one. 
And that's why we have to have the right measuring stick for success and the goal in life. Because if the target's wrong, if we're obsessed with, well, the end result needs to be health or the end result needs to be wealth, we will be crushed and disappointed at some point. And it's similar, it's kind of, it's interesting, it's similar to sort of what we're going through in the American church right now. I was, it's interesting, I was listening to a podcast this week with three, uh, four well-known leaders in the church talking about what I'm about to say, They're just talking about this, like this is, it's great, but it's really an interesting trial that we're kind of, of going through because if we're honest with ourselves, the measurement, the goal of success in, in our churches has been the number of people <laughs> that we have in our churches or size of buildings and, and, and budgets and these sorts of things. And no one would ever say that's the goal, right? No one's going to say that out loud. But in practice, that is the goal. <laughs> Everybody knows it, you know? That's the goal. Pastors all the time when they're together. How many are you running? How many you got right now? You know, how's it going over there? So what do you do when a pandemic wipes out attendance in your church? Preachers all across America are preaching to half-empty churches that were once full. And it's not necessarily that they've lost those people. Some, it's just what was already happening before the pandemic. Infrequent attendance, online attendance skyrocketed over the pandemic. So now we can't measure the things anymore that were our barometer of success. Because if you have one view on YouTube, how many people is that? Is that seven people sitting around a computer? Is that one person? We can't measure this anymore. And it's wonderful. Because the trial is exposing this thing that was an addition to what we all knew was the goal all along. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, discipleship in people's lives. But how do you measure endurance? How do you measure endurance? How do you measure love? growing in people's lives. We defaulted to what was simple and easy to measure. But now the trials and the, the difficulties that are coming upon us, not all bad, and is producing this wonderful thing of where leaders are now wrestling through. How do we measure the thing that we knew was what we should be doing all along? Wonderful. Wonderful thing that God's doing. And so we have to focus on the outcomes that God seeks in our lives as well, which is being mature, the fruit of the Spirit being perfect and complete. That is the outcome of this process. Then no matter the outcome of our circumstance, even if it ends in death, no matter, nothing is wasted. Nothing that you endure in this life is wasted if we will trust ourselves to God's process and purpose. And James brings in this sort of eschatological component a couple of verses later in James 1.12. He says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Or in Revelation 2, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. So if we focus on success, 
What God determines as success, the production of the fruit of the Spirit and Christ-likeness in our lives, you cannot lose. You get to take it with you. It goes into eternity as well. Nothing is lost. That's why I love Christianity. It doesn't matter what you go through. If we focus on God's purposes in our lives and the process of refinement and becoming like Him in His image, we never lose that. And it endures through all the trials of life, even unto death. There is joy to be found, even though there's sorrow and pain in the struggle. There is joy that can be considered to be found going through these processes. So what does that mean for us? As individuals, we need this reminder constantly. James wants us to change our perspective on the trials and challenges of life. Let's change, make a mental shift to consider these things that we are going through, God's production of good in our lives. If we want to become people of significance, if you want to be a leader, if you want to disciple others, then you need to grow in wisdom and maturity and endurance through trials through trials. You will become this immovable pillar in the storm that someone else will grab onto when they go through their dark night of the soul. And the only path to get there is through pain and sorrow or trial in our own life. But if we focus on God's outcomes, we can't lose. So as we look at this season that we're in of so many changes coming to us. Let's set our sights on the right thing and ask God through these years, you know, 2020, 2021. I heard someone say today, 2022. You know, it's like 2022. It's like 2020 all over again. As we go through these seasons, as we go through this season, what is God trying to produce in us? As these things are changing in our lives, and some of them are good, some of them are bad, but it's disorienting and it's challenging. What is God trying to do? Why are you shaken so much by this? Why is your faith struggling? What is it that we've added to our complete confidence and faith in God that these circumstances are shaking us? Don't miss that process. God is speaking to you. People often complain that they they just don't hear from the Lord as other people do. If you're going through trials and struggles, God is speaking to you. He's doing something in your life. It's a joy. He hasn't abandoned you. He's working on you because He wants to make you into something that is eternally significant, where He can use you in this world. He's doing something. He's speaking to you through your trials. And so we want to come through this season on the back end And not look back and say all we focused on was where did this come from? And who caused this? And why is this going on? And who are we angry at? We want to come through this as people of a greater and deeper grounded hope and faith. We want the trials to produce that in our lives that we will be complete and mature and unshakable. And so just like with individuals for the church as well and for Jordan Family Church, as they launch out, sort of this corporate expression of the individual reality. 
We have to have the right measuring stick. We have to have the right measuring stick. Because the outcomes are not guaranteed. The outcome is not guaranteed. We have no idea what trials, external and internal, are going to come. Or what the outcomes will be of those trials. But that's okay. Because God has called it forth. Called us into this new venture and this new challenge. And we have to fix on the purposes that God has for the people of Jordan and the surrounding community and the lasting fruit that we can produce in the lives of people that come to Him through this effort that will remain long after the buildings burn down. That's what we have to focus on. That's what He's called us into. And so if we want Jordan Family Church to be a pillar for the people of Jordan and the surrounding communities when all the chaos is swirling around them, that character, the character of the people of God represented in that church will come through trials and challenges. Will come through trials and challenges. So let's be ready for them. And let's change our perspective and welcome them as joy because God is doing something with us and through us in our lives, and in the people of Jordan as we face the difficulties that are inevitable to come. Let's consider it all joy because God's doing a great thing. Let's pray together. Father, I just... We thank you this morning for your word. We thank you this morning for your word, Lord. I thank you. God, I just thank you for this this truth. God, that you are speaking to us even in the difficulties, Lord, and we can consider it it joy, Lord, because you are birthing something in our lives. You haven't left us on our own with our struggles and our difficulties, Lord. You refine us. You bring us through seasons that solidify our hope and our, our faith in you and give us an unshakable peace and hope Lord, that can go through all the challenges of life that we face with joy, knowing that you're with us and you're working in us and through us. I thank you for your spirit that you've given. Lord, that testifies within us that you are our Father, that you love us and you are working for our good and that you will be faithful to complete the thing that you've started. Lord, I thank you for your work in our lives. I thank you for your work in our church, and I thank you for the work that you're doing in Jordan Family Church as an extension of what you've done here. And Lord, we welcome your work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.